Good morning on this Monday morning. Welcome to our devotional, Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. If we stop to consider something that we've already uh, taught in the past, it'll help us understand as we go through the names of God in the Scripture. Crisis, ultimately through a process, always will bring us to a revelation. When we are going through or are in a crisis in our lives, it's going to show us some things. One, we are either unable in ourselves and of ourselves to do absolutely anything. In other words, it shows us our inability, incapacity, our non-being able to do a single thing which will leave us hopeless dependent upon absolutely uh, any recourse that can be thrown at us but normally there is usually no way out or crisis can bring us to a point of where we realize that we have got to seek God it's going to produce a hunger in us and we're going to want to search for an answer. Therefore, the process has begun. And as we look for an answer because we are hungry for an answer, then we will wind up confronting ourselves, and I'm going to say it this way, face to face with God, His Word, the Holy Spirit, Jesus the answer. And then there we got to make up our mind. We got to make up a decision as to what we're going to do. That, that hunger that was produced in us that caused us to search, whether it was going to church, whether it was reading the Bible, whether it was spending time in prayer, whether it was just crying out out of utter agony and pain and asking for God to do something, we wind up looking for an answer. Well, when the revelation comes, and in this case, we're talking about the name of the Father or the name of God being revealed and unveiled to us, all of a sudden we see that there is an answer. There's a possibility. There's hope. There's expectation. But it's the follow-through of once that revelation has come as to what we do. In the Old Testament, we can take several examples. Um, let's say in the book of Genesis, chapter 14, there's the first story where we wind up having the first time that a war is mentioned. And that is when certain kings came and they wanted to attack, and they did, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Of course, uh, Lot and his family uh, were there, and they were taken captive. And when news got to Abraham, Abraham had to make a decision. He had a trained army of 300 plus servants. And of course, if you've read the story or know the story, Abraham goes and he conquers them. And uh, he takes uh, uh, full control of the situation. He rescues the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. He goes ahead and uh, rescues Lot. And uh, delivers them. He winds up uh, encountering a 
priest and king by the name of Melchizedek. And also Melchizedek lived in what was to be or was known as ancient Jerusalem. And this king blessed Abraham. And he said a special uh, blessing over him. And right there and then, that king reveals a most precious name to Abraham. Well, as the story goes, Abraham all of a sudden now winds up receiving a revelation from God. That God is the possessor, he's the creator and possessor of all things, of everything. So that when the king of Sodom and Gomorrah offer him all the stuff they had, and all, all they wanted was just the people, Abraham says, I'm not taking a single thing from you. Because if God is the possessor and the creator of the heavens and the earth, that means he's the owner of everything. In fact, that makes him the owner of me. Well, anyway, he received that revelation. Now, of course, God had also uh, unveiled and revealed himself uh, to Abraham later uh, when he asked him for his son uh, Isaac. Uh, and, of course, God provides for him. It's an interesting story, though. As you read in Genesis chapter 22, after all these years of Abraham having waited, he was now 100 years old, and finally he has a son, and uh, his wife, uh, Sarah, uh, also uh, is able to bear him a son, and as uh, the years pass by, uh, Abraham really bonds with his son. His son is now in his uh, 30s uh, when he is asked, Okay, Abraham, time for a crisis. I want you to come and uh, present your son to me at the altar, and I want you to sacrifice him. And there, once again, Abraham finds himself, as he journeys to Mount Moriah for about three days, he finds himself at a crossroad. He doesn't say anything to his wife as far as I'm going to go and sacrifice Isaac, but he simply just goes. He had learned to depend and trust on God throughout the years of his existence. And in having walked with God, God had taken him from one stage through one crisis after another crisis, revealing and unveiling his name to him. Well, as he did, now he tells his servants, me and the boy, we're going to go up to the mountain. We're going to worship and we will be back. You could see in Abraham's confession that his trust was already at the point that if God, if God is all powerful, if he is creator and possessor of heaven and earth, if he is the one that can do all these things, well, then he can recreate or make a new Isaac for me. Once he is sacrificed. Now, of course, uh, human sacrifices were already uh, an abomination before God as far as the Old Testament was concerned. But one, one must ask themselves, why is this example given to us in the scripture concerning Isaac? Well, was, one must take into consideration that God uh, was teaching us an object lesson that 
the sacrifices of goats and bulls and rams and doves and all of this, that their blood would never be sufficient for a human's sins to be completely redeemed, completely remitted. So it was going to take another human, in this case, Jesus Christ, laying down his life. They didn't take his life away. He clearly he clearly said, I lay my, my life down like the good shepherd. I lay it down. No man take. And I have already received the promise of my father that I can take it right back up. Well, in the process of all of this, and as he is getting ready to uh, sacrifice Isaac, he's already on the, on the altar and he's already been tied up and he's getting ready to plunge the knife. And all of a sudden, having gone through so many crises, through so many years, he happens to hear the voice of the angel of the Lord tell Abraham, Abraham, you know, that, that's it. Stop, 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 stop. And while he does, he turns around and he sees that a ram is caught there in the thicket. And when that ram is caught there in the thicket, all of a sudden he realizes God has made provision already. He had already said that God would provide to Isaac the sacrifice. And the most interesting thing that you read there in chapter 22 of Genesis is when he is done and comes down off the mountain and with the two servants that had gone with him, they go to a certain area. It says, and after these things, after these things, Abraham, you know, he went to this place and it begins to talk about his descendants that were back in Mesopotamia, about neighbor, uh, uh, his, his brother, uh, his his family there, and that one of them, uh, his his uh, his wife, uh, becomes pregnant, and she gives birth to Rebecca. Now, if you understand uh, what about what I'm about to say, is Rebecca was going to be Isaac's wife. So, so here in advance, while. God is providing for Abraham a sacrifice. At the same time, Rebecca is being born so that she will one day wind up being Isaac's wife. Now, that, that is real fascinating because God's promises to Abraham were in Genesis, I will make you the father of many nations. Yet, at that time, he had no son. It's not until Isaac is born that the realization now of that promise and of God's name and who he is is becoming a reality. But when God asked him for the sacrifice of his son, it's like, okay, this promise now is just like a vapor or, or a, a cloud of smoke that's just going to vanish away. But instead, at every turn and at every crisis, God revealed himself unto Abraham. He tells him when him and Lot split and parted ways, look to the east, the west, the north, the south. All this land will I give unto you. 
look unto the heavens, look unto the stars. That's how your descendants are going to be. Yes, because he had Isaac. But when the crisis came and Isaac was going to be out of the picture, he is like, okay, now what? You know, my 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 possibilities of, of God having that promise fulfilled are gone. But when the crisis came, God unveiled and revealed himself in a new name. And then there at that mountain on Mount Moriah, he calls God and discovers that God is now Jehovah Jireh, the God that sees my need, the God that provides for me what I need. And then from there, of course, uh, Abraham continues. Isaac eventually gets married and the descendants uh, come into being. But the whole point being that it, it takes a crisis to cause us to search well, a crisis actually brings a certain hunger in us first that we want an answer, a response. It doesn't matter where it comes from, we want an answer. But as we begin to search carefully and closely, we recognize and realize that the only answer is in God himself. That will be the true answer. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life for us. He's the great I am, who at ta Abraham's time, was uh, Abraham was glad to see the day that Jesus would one day appear on behalf of man. But the whole point being that it took a crisis, there was a search, in the search, there was a revelation, and it is there where we want to inject the thought. It took a crisis for the disciples that Jesus was going to go to the cross. Jesus was having the last Passover with them. Jesus was in, injecting into them the most vital last parts of the teachings that he had in John chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. And in all those chapters, the mention and the declaration of the Father's name, the mention and the manifestation of the Father's name is brought forth so unveiled that they could grasp it but yet as we remember the story Philip says show us the father and Jesus comes out and he says if you have seen me Philip you have seen the father there's the revelation and of course this was going to be very important because uh Peter was going to wind up denying Jesus. The disciples were all going to abandon him during the time that he was uh, crucified and buried uh, before he would resurrect. And of course, this eventually would help them because the command was going to be going to all the nations and preach. And he that believeth on my name. See, so now, now they've got something to go on. And of course, uh, when we see Peter, we see him preaching in the book of Acts chapter 2, immediately in the name of Jesus. Well, this concludes our meditation part for this morning. Consider it food for thought, for the imagination. Keep looking up. Our Redeemer and Redemption draweth near. 
But join us again on Tuesday as we pick up along these lines and understanding the importance of how crisis brings us into the full revelation of his name also. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.